Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. When I look at the future, when I study biblical prophecy, what should I be doing? We should learn from the past. I need godly wisdom to learn. Jesus was saying to those people, the reason they got scattered, the reason they went, because I asked you to come to me and you wouldn't come to me. So learn from it. When God says do something, do it right. We don't live in the past. We live in the present. Right here. Although Jesus said that we won't know the hour or the day of his return, How can we still prepare for it during our time on earth? Today, Pastor Mark will challenge listeners to be watchful of the world's events and live with an eternal mindset. While we need not worry about the end times, it's wise for us to be aware of what's going on in the world and to share the truth with others. How much does eternity shape the way you live life on earth? Do you live every day with the end in mind? Never lack discipline in the day-to-day on this earth, but also never lose sight of the eternal life to come. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, See the End of the World. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 in your Bible, first book, and let's go quickly through the nation of Israel, how it happened, why it was there. Obviously, this is not in-depth, but a nice little cursory view so you can understand why it is so significant in end-time prophecies. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Remember in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned. They decided they'd do their life by themselves without God. Because of that sin, God immediately began to put into action a plan, a plan to solve the problem of man's sin. In Genesis 3, verse 15, this is the first prophecy, this is the first look, watch me, this is the first look of future that we see in the Bible. What happened? Well, three events were part of this redemptive plan. First, you see there her seed. That would be predicting that there would be a virgin birth. A virgin birth. A virgin birth of who? Well, the one that's going to take care of the sin of the world. The second event, you see there, thou shalt bruise his heel. What does that mean? That's Satan's temporary victory over this Messiah when he was crucified. Of course, we know that Jesus overcame that by being raised from the dead. And the third picture of the future is, notice, his head will be bruised. 
speaking of Satan, his head will be bruised. That's different than a heel. A head is a mortal wound, finished, over with. That's the end of the world. So in that little verse, you have a picture of the future. Man needs a savior. He will come. He'll come through a woman, a virgin woman. Couldn't come from a man because the sin nature of man would be put into this man. He had to be sinless. Second, Satan would get the upper hand initially. Jesus would be wounded in his heel. He would go to the cross where he paid for our sins. But third, he would raise from dead on the third day. And in the end, when the end of the world comes, Satan will be defeated once and for all, cast into the lake of fire. It's finished. It's over. It's dead. There's the world history in one verse of everything in the future. And you need to stop and think because if you're a servant of Satan, which means you're either for God or you're not. If you're for God, you have to be a born-again believer. If you're not, you're in the camp of Satan. When Satan is thrown into the lake of fire, your future is the same. But when Jesus sets up his eternal kingdom and we get a brand new heaven and earth, if you're a follower of Christ, that's where you'll be. So in that one verse, we have everything. Well, how does God do that? What does the nation of Israel have to do with anything? Well, notice in Genesis 3, there is no nation of Israel. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. You're right there. You still with me this morning? All right, Genesis chapter 12. How in the world is God going to do this? Well, he had a wonderful plan. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now, the Lord had said to Abram, who would later become Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's whole soul, and I will go to the land I will show you. So God just sovereignly picks a man named Abraham. Comes from Earl the Chaldees. He's a pagan. And God says, I'm going to take a man, and I'm going to take a woman, and I'm going to make a nation. Sovereignly. Abraham didn't know what's happening. Not only does he pick a man and a woman, they're going to be leader of a new people. But notice in that verse, he said, go to a land that I will show you. So he's going to take a man, he's going to take a woman, he's going to, out of that, out of all their seed, there's going to be people. It's going to be a nation. It's called the Jews. And he's going to give them a neighborhood to live in, a land. It's Israel. Notice, verse 2, I will make you into a great nation, the nation of Israel, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Verse 3 is huge. Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, the nation of Israel, and curse whoever you, whoever curses you, I will curse. Do you know today that the Jews are hated by probably 99% of the nations in the world? They're hated. There's only a few handful of nations that are pro-Israel. One happens to be still the United States. Another one, England to some degree. And a scattering of others. But most of the world hates Israel. You'll see in a moment that's satanic because it's God's nation. Now, notice, if we bless Israel, if we help Israel, if we send them jets, if we help them in their defense, what will God do to the nation that helps them? You bless them. What's the opposite? One of the reasons I believe this country, the country you and I live in today has been blessed is because of this principle. Now, Abraham is going to be the father of a nation, a great nation. 
Sarah's his wife. Is there a problem? Yes, there is. Number one, Abraham and Sarah are old. They can get a senior coffee at McDonald's. (laughs) But more than that, they're childless. They can't make it happen. God does a miracle. Abraham's 100. Sarah's in her 90. And we have a baby. He's called Isaac. Amazing miracle. From Isaac would come a solution to man's problem. From the seed of Abraham to Isaac, all the way down through the Messiah. Through these people, the world would be blessed. What does it mean all the world would be blessed? There would be a savior for every man, woman, and child on the world. It would come through the nation of Israel, through the Jewish people. Now turn to Genesis 17 quickly, Genesis 17, and we'll look at verse 7 and 8. Speaking about this land, very important you understand that the land has much to do with the people. That's because that's the way God said it. So when God established the nation of Israel, everybody else in this room, unless you're Jewish, you are Gentile. But I can be blessed because we're told in the New Testament we're grafted in. God died, sent his son to die for the whole world. Well, look at uh, Genesis 17, verse 7. I will establish, God speaking, my covenant as a, what's the word? Everlasting. It's not temporary. Everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. To be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Now watch this. The whole land of Canaan, which is the land of Israel, where you are now an alien, I will give as a temporary possessions. Is that right? Until the Palestinians take it over. No, no, no. Understand this is a covenant from God. I will give you an everlasting, give it as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Here's something you probably don't know. Let me give you a fact. When the children of Israel took possession of the land, when they took possession of the land, it was 2,000 years before the birth of the religion of Islam. Do you understand that? But the Palestinians would say, this has always been our land. Huh? They weren't even a people for 2,000 years. God said, this land is yours. I make the covenant. It is your land. Now, I want you to see this picture. Let me ask you a question this morning here in Vieira. When you get up this morning, did the sun rise? It did. Notice this promise from God. Jeremiah thirty-three twenty. God says, this is what the Lord says. If you can break my covenant with the day... And the night, so that one does not follow the other. In other words, if you can stop the sun from coming up, then I'll stop my promise to keep the land for Israel. Notice. So, so this is what the Lord says. If you can break my covenant with the day and the night, so that one does not follow the other, only then will my covenant with my servant David be broken. Did the sun come up today? Is it going to come up tomorrow? How about forever? Yes, until what? We don't need a son anymore because Jesus Christ will be the light of the world. So what does that mean to me? The land of Israel is always going to be the land of Israel and it's God's land. Do you know that the leader of Iran, what did he say recently? He said three things. One, every Jew should be exterminated from the world. You heard him say this. They hate Jews. It's spiritual. He doesn't even know it. Number two, 
He said, if we can't do that, we ought to send the Jewish people to Germany. You think they would like to go back to Germany? Or we ought to send them to Alaska so we can take over the land. I heard a a born-again Jew talk about this. He was classic. He said, why didn't he give us a third option? Why not send us to Hawaii? (laughs) I love it. By the way, because of that promise you just saw, the Jewish people aren't going anywhere. They're going to be in their land. Well, over and over, the Bible made predictions about Israel, Jewish people. Many of them have been fulfilled in the old days. But here's some that were coming We'll read about it in 24 and 25, but most of it's history in the Old Testament. Because the people of Israel didn't listen and obey God, their future in between this period was bleak. Here's what would happen. This is predicted. Every one of these things is predicted in the Old Testament. Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed. The Jews would be exiled. Israel would become a wasteland. The Jews would be scattered worldwide. We know that happened. The Jews would be persecuted worldwide. All of those things took place. But in Ezekiel 37, God gave a promise. I want you to see the promise. Ezekiel 37, 21, it says this. God says, and give them this message from the sovereign Lord. I will gather, I, God, I will gather the people of Israel from among the nations. And I will bring them home to their own land, Israel, from the places where they have been scattered. You know, 100 years ago, we didn't know how that would ever be fulfilled. Because the Jewish people were all over the world. Israel didn't belong to them. They had lost their land. But in our generation, 1948, God saw to it that the nation of Israel would be a nation again. And ever since that day, he's been bringing the Jews back to that country as an everlasting possession in the control of the Jews. Now, why is that important? Remember something I said to you. Listen, it'll make perfectly clear sense. One of the signs of end times is for the third temple to be built. Well, see, if Jews never came back to Israel you wouldn't ever build a Jewish temple in Israel. They're back. So when we discovered that Israel became a nation again, it was a powerful fulfillment, absolutely, of end-time prophecy. God did it. Now, let me show you quickly what it's going to look like, what's going to happen on this sequence. We'll bring this one back a number of times. You see, conflict and spiritual war have always been an area for Israel. See, God has a plan for the nation. Satan is always against the plan. Everything that you understand, we know it's spiritual. Everybody else thinks it's political. It's not political. It's spiritual. The warfare against Israel will continue until Jesus Christ comes back at his second coming. Some people would say today that really the nation of Israel has been replaced and it's not really a nation, it has nothing to do with end time prophecy, it's called replacement theology. We don't believe that. I believe if you look at Romans 9, 10, and 11, you'll see that God is going to have these people, they're involved with it. In fact, the tribulation that we see up there, it's called in the Bible the time of Jacob's 
trouble. And it's all going to be focused as we study the book of Revelation in the nation of Israel. So where are we today? We're in the church age. Right after the cross, the Christian church took over the role of the Jewish people. Why? Because the Jewish people no longer believed in the Messiah. Now, the Christian church took it over, but notice the Christian church was formed early on, but nothing but Jews. Jews that believe in the Messiah. So we're moving to an end. We believe, and you'll hear this over the next few weeks because Jesus teaches on it, that the next thing on the, on the scene is something called the rapture. But that's when all the Christians instantaneously are taken from the world. And then all hell begins to break loose. There's a man called the Antichrist that comes in. The Jewish people fall down and worship him. All those things happen. In the middle of that tribulation, they realize he really isn't it. It was satanic. It was from Satan. And they begin to flee to the rest of the world. All that last three and a half years is called the Great Tribulation. Then the second coming, as you can see there, when it gets almost end of green into blue. The second coming. That's when Jesus says, I'll come back and the people of Israel are going to say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, as you look at that, where are we today? There's one more thing that's going to happen. We don't know exactly when it's going to happen. There's going to be a war called, from Ezekiel 38 and 39, a war called Gog and Magog. Most scholars believe it'll happen right after the rapture. Some believe it'll happen right before. We don't really know. What does that look like? Take a look at this next verse, and then I'll explain it to you. Habakkuk 1.5 says this. God says, look around. See. Perspective. Eternal view. Look around at the nations. That's what I'm going to have you do today. That's what you should be doing. You shouldn't just be concerned about the things here. Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed for I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. You see, 100 years ago, people couldn't be excited about what's happening. You wouldn't see things coming to a close. Why? Because the nation of Israel was not back in their land. For 2,000 years, they weren't there. They're there now. This kicks off everything that's going to happen. Here's a picture. Here's something very important. This Ezekiel 38. Notice in this picture is Putin from... Russia. Many people thought when Russia, well, communism came to end, that we don't have to worry about Russia anymore. In end time prophecy, Russia, and of course the nations in the Middle East, and China are going to come against Israel. Think of that. And Ezekiel 38 and 39 says, there's coming a time when this group of people are going to come against Israel. Russians, Iran, Sudan, Ethiopia, Libya, and here's an interesting one that was strange to us, Turkey. We don't see in 38 and 39 the country of Syria. We don't see that country. Could it be that something that's going to happen in Syria will bring this war on? Well, here's a verse that most of us didn't know. You'll find it. In Isaiah 17, it says this. An oracle concerning Damascus. See, Damascus will no longer be a city. Damascus is in Syria. But will become a heap of ruins. 
Isaiah makes a statement about Damascus. In the wording, it means there's going to be an instantaneous event where all of Damascus is annihilated. It's gone. It's wiped off the map. This has never happened. Damascus has always been a city. When will that happen? Could this be the trigger that when Israel or the United States has to go into Syria and they wipe out Damascus, could this be that which triggers this war? By the way, this war, Gog and Magog, is not the Battle of Armageddon. That's very much later. This is the war before it. You see, prophecy is a light in the darkness. And it has everything to do with you. God is moving. Everything's coming together. The end of the world is coming. And your future is not about your mortgage payment. And it's not about what you serve at Thanksgiving. Happy con pie, pumpkin pie, have them both. Who cares? Wonderful. <laughs> Invite me over. We'll join you. <laughs> but that's not our future, guys. I want you to write three things down at the close of the teaching. Here we are. Three things. When I look at the future, when I study biblical prophecy, what should I be doing? We should learn from the past. I need godly wisdom to learn. Jesus was saying to those people, the reason they got scattered, the reason they went, because I asked you to come to me and you wouldn't come to me. So learn from it. When God says do something, do it right. We don't live in the past. We live in the present. Right here. Number one, I want to enjoy the present. God's came to give us life and life abundant. I I love life. I love seeing all of this thing that God's doing. Amazing. See, we'll never hear this in the news. Do you know, let me just say this kindly. Most churches never teach anything about prophecy. So all the people are in the dark. You're not in the dark this morning. Not because of me. Because God didn't leave us in the dark. So I have no fear this morning. Say it with me, no fear. No fear. That's exactly right. Oh, Pastor Mark, maybe they got more than 640K of memory. God has a lot more than 640K. And he's the one arranging all the circumstances. Oh, a lot of fearful stuff is coming, but I have no fear. My future is secure. And that brings number three. We prepare for the future. What do I mean prepare for it? 6.5 billion people in this world, many of them are friends, probably 3 billion at least don't know anything about Jesus Christ. So my mandate is to keep the main thing, the main thing to go into all the world and teach the gospel. Don't forget it. It's not about just you and I getting to heaven. It's about a world that's in the dark. And God is arranging all the pieces. The end of this old world, guys, is coming. And when it ends... You want to be in heaven. The Bible says prophecy is like a light in the darkness. Today we learn from Pastor Mark how through the study of prophecy we gain wisdom, fearlessness, and hope. The study of biblical prophecy is more than just a hobby or a fun project. It's designed to prepare us to live with an eternal mindset. How can you use the study of this topic to grow your faith and devotion to Christ? He wants to expand your understanding. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. What are the signs we will see that the end of the world is near? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach listeners of several signs to watch for in anticipation of God's second coming. He notes that while no date, time, or setting is given in Scripture, there are signs to expect. The first of these signs has already come true. Israel becoming a nation. Always be aware of world events and how they relate to biblical prophecy. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear